You know what I love? I love DraftKings because DraftKings is good to this show and they'll be good to you as well. DraftKings, download the app now because the killer crossovers, the nothing but net jumpers, the tenacious throwdowns. Ladies and gentlemen, basketball is back. And DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is celebrating the return to the hardwood by giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Playing daily fantasy hoops is easy. All you can do is pick your lineup for pro basketball players. Stay under the salary recap and rack up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. Score big and you can score big cash and with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. It's the perfect time to show off your basketball IQ. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings app and use the code WMVP. This week, new customers can get a free shot at millions in total prizes with your first deposit. That's code WMVP only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Basketball is hood. It's the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, sponsored by DraftKings. What's up? I am Jay Hood. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter at TweetJHood, Instagram IGJHood. You have any thoughts about the NBA, college basketball, basketball in general? That's why I'm here. Basketball is hood, and I'm so glad that you're with me. You can catch me with David Kaplan mornings between 7 and 10 a.m. Central on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. And, of course, this podcast, Basketball Only, is on Spotify as well. Find this podcast on Spotify. That way you never miss an episode of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. If you love basketball, you've come to the right place as we talk about the 6-1 Chicago Bulls. They're going to get ready to take on Philadelphia in back-to-back games on November 3rd and the 6th. But let's lock in on the Bulls with that victory against the Boston Celtics, 128-114 to at the Garden. Man, the Bulls, you talk about pulling one out of the fire, right? How is it that the Bulls were down 14 and came back and won by 14? The Bulls on Monday night, they ripped off a 39-11 to run in that fourth quarter turning a 14-point deficit into a 14-point win. It's the first time that a team like the Celtics, since the mid-50s, that a team lost by 14 or more after leading by 14 or more. That's crazy. So the Bulls win this game, and there's so many layers to this before we kind of delve into what the Bulls' future is going to be. I told you that the Bulls were going to be a good basketball team. I told you that they would be a playoff team. And what we're seeing here early on are really good signs that the team is working together. And sure, it's a long season. I get that. You get that as well. But the Bulls only lost one game, and that was against the New York Knicks team by the score of 104-103. to That was a really good game, close game, and the Bulls lost. And the Knicks have improved as well. They are averaging about 115 points a game. They're 28th in pace, though. Uh, So that's going to catch up with them at some point. But the point is, though, is that the Bulls really, really look good in this game against the Celtics. They were both down. Again, down by as much as 19 on the road and won the game. 
So what resonated with me the most is, first of all, DeMar DeRozan. The knock on DeRozan is, well, he didn't shoot a lot of threes. He shoots under 3% from three. So how does that work in today's NBA? Well, how it works is dude gets buckets. That's how that works, right? Sometimes the numbers will tell one story, but the player could tell a different story. And DeMar DeRozan, a guy that is a seasoned veteran, came in there on Monday night and scored 37 points. Uh, the guy that can't shoot threes shot three for four from three-point range and 15 for 20 from the field. Uh, you'll take that all day, right? So... The reason why I thought the Bulls were behind is not because of DeRozan necessarily, but as much as it is Zach Levine. He is the straw that stirs a drink for this Bulls team. And that, like, once shots start falling, then the team start getting into place. The Celtics were really kind of relaxed in the game when they thought they were up as much as 18, 19 points. They thought they had this game in the bag and that the Bulls were just going to lay down, and they did not. Once Levine starts scoring more and getting more involved offensively, all of a sudden, you start to see his plus-minus go up. You see him being able to get to the foul line. He was one for eight for three-point range, but he had 26 points. But even more so than that, another guy that I told you to watch out for this year is Alex Caruso. Now, I know Alex Caruso is not going to have as much acclaim as Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, players like that. But you always have to have a guy that's going to give you a max effort. And as Caruso, you'll look at the box score and say, ah, nine points, three, you know, six assists, three rebounds. What do you really do? Caruso was setting it up for the Bulls to get that comeback. Middle of the third into the fourth quarter, you saw Caruso get his hands in there with a couple steals. Also being able to distribute the basketball to set up his teammates like Levine and others to knock down threes. Caruso going to the basket with his nine points. I just think that that's the kind of bench effort you look for, right? I mean, some of the more famous stories about the Bulls and those championship runs. Yes, it's about Michael. It's about Scotty. It's about, but also it's about the bench mob. Others that could be able to step up and really do some great things for a team to pay dividends for the team. And so I thought that Alex Caruso did that with his nine points, but DeRozan with that thirty-seven though. And then to see the Celtics, by the way. I, I was surprised. Uh, 39 to 11 run in the fourth quarter for the Bulls, turning that deficit around. And Udoka, the head coach for the Celtics, he was not happy about what he saw there. He says, I don't think it was an effort thing. I think it was a lack of killer instinct thing. It kind of took our foot off the gas and we thought the game was over. <laughs> that was his actual quote after the game. There's some finger pointing in there uh, in that Boston locker room, and they got some issues. And uh, this is not a Brad Stevens team. This is a team here that is uh, has a new coaching staff. Some of the players are pointing the um, finger at the coaching staff. They're two and five, and again, it's early. It's through seven, eight games of the season. But boy, the Bulls really turned on the heat on this Celtics team and won the game. And 128 to 114. I was really elated to see the Bulls and how they did not give up. Lonzo Ball had 12 points. That was good. Vucevic, again, with a double-double, 11 and 10. Now, a couple of things I just want to point out on the defensive end, because I've seen this online already. People are questioning why this team is not better defensively. And I will tell you that... This is going to be an uphill climb defensively for this team. Go back and listen to the interview that uh, David Kaplan and I did with Billy Donovan, the head coach uh, for the Bulls. I I asked him directly about the things that he wants to see from this team defensively. You can just tell that (laughs) there are some things he does not like about this team. He's not happy about this team defensively, but this is who they are. 
I mean, ultimately, this is who they are. It's going to take team defense. And I think that going back and just kind of watching um, this game on NBA TV, I was watching how the it was more or less a team defensive effort for the Bulls. Vucevic is not a true center, but I did see like Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, uh, Alex Caruso get their hands in there and be able to knock the ball away. And, and so there's little things that they have to do. But as far as teams going downhill in the Bulls, I think that's going to happen a lot. <laughs> that's just who they are. They just have to outscore teams because they just don't have the size or the depth to be able to get it done with a true center. So that's going to have to take a number of guys for team defense for the Bulls to slow teams down. They're not going to be stopping teams defensively, but they'll slow them down. And how you do that is you get the turnovers. Um, you're able to get those turnovers and limit the fast break point. That's a good thing. The Bulls, by the way, were so big in the paint, too. Yeah, you know, people look at the three point stripe and say, "Oh, they shot forty one percent from the three. The Bulls had fifty four points in the painted area against Williams and Horford and Tatum and those guys. And so I really like that. And by the way, shout out to Io DeSumo. He had fourteen points coming off the bench. Uh, that young man has confidence. I was so happy to see the Bulls draft him because I said, "Okay, if nothing else." This guy can push Kobe White in practice. Kobe's probably looking at this like, oh, wow, man. Wow. Yeah. You, you better get healthy quickly because Jusumu is a guy that already had confidence coming into the NBA, saw him at Illinois, knew that he was going to be a headstrong, you know, quality player in this league. And Jusumu now with the Bulls, man, he's playing like he's been around for a while. Uh-huh. 14 points. Perfect from three, perfect from the field. He had four rebounds, two assists. So, again, if you're a Bulls fan, at least in the early part of this season, be excited about what you're seeing here. The schedule is interesting moving forward, though. Back-to-back games against Philly. And we'll talk about Philly in just a moment. Um, but they got a number of hurdles they got to be able to climb, including the Nets this upcoming Monday before they go on their circus trip, their West Coast trip. Uh, leading into Thanksgiving. So that'll be an interesting test for the Bulls. But beating Utah, going back to Saturday, beating Utah 107-99, saw that game, thought that was a quality win against a battle-tested um, playoff team. Uh, the loss against the Sixers, I'm sorry, loss against the Knicks was tough. But we'll see what happens Monday uh, as the Bulls take on Brooklyn, then Dallas, and then uh, going on that circus trip. Should be fun to watch, but let me tell you, DeRozan, that dude was on fire. Out to DeRozan, steps into a long three. Bang, bang, bang. It, it's perfect. Fire. Bulls.com slash city. Bulls.com slash city. DeMar DeRozan oh, lighting in. Boston has its largest lead at four. Here's DeRozan all the way with the oh. whistle and the two. DeMar DeRozan. Period. Bull shot Good 54%. DeRozan got his own miss and scored. DeRozan down the lane. All the oh, way. The marvelous. Grant Williams watching DeRozan, who sizes him up. Oh, too easy. Too, too easy. DeRozan picked up by Brown. Going at him. Tough shot. And DeMar DeRozan delivers. Russo out with it. Leaving it for Vucevic. DeRozan stepping Wait, through Horford. Wow. ball. Extra pass. DeRozan this time. It'll be good if it goes. DeMar DeRozan was getting the job done. And by the way, shout out to Zach Levine. You talk about being an elite scorer. <laughs> 
Zach Levine has over 8,000 career points and still counting. Over 8,000 points. And a lot of those points, empty calories on bad teams. But boy, this is different. This will be the winningest season that Zach Levine's ever had in the NBA. uh, Because this Bulls team will be a playoff team and he'll be the catalyst of it. And he's got help. It feels different, Bulls fans. So if you're a Chicago Bulls fan, you should pretty feel pretty good about what's going on so far again it's early but you just rather get off to a good start you rather beat Detroit than lose against Detroit you rather beat these teams like the Jazz than lose to them uh, and so one loss early on, pretty good. Now we'll see what happens in back-to-back games against Philly, which leads me into Philadelphia. So already without Ben Simmons, the Sixers were missing Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris this past Monday. Now the Sixers somehow still beat the Trailblazers at home 113 to 103. So here's what's happening here. Embiid, you know, the big guy, 21 points a game, nine rebounds, four assists a game. Harris, 19 points a game, nine rebounds, 4.2 assists a game. So they are missing those two. Embiid has been out, has been questionable for each of the past five games because of right knee soreness. And then with Harris, Tobias Harris is no different than uh, Laurie Markkinen and some of the others that are going through COVID right now with the health and safety protocols. And so uh, Tobias Harris is out as well. But the Ben Simmons piece, that's a whole different story. This is from Ramona Shelburne and Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN.com. It says, the Philadelphia 76ers are increasingly frustrated with Ben Simmons' refusal to accept organizational assistance to address his mental readiness to play. While Simmons has been working with team doctors to treat a back ailment, he's been unwilling to meet with team doctors to discuss his mental readiness. So check this out. So the Sixers fined Simmons nearly $2 million for missing games, practices, and meetings early this year. And then the Sixers stopped fining him once he told them on October 22nd that he was mentally ready to play. So Simmons was looking at this bill, was like, wait, I'm getting fined for not being part of the team, not playing. Uh, And so he's like, well, I'm not mentally ready to play. The Sixers are like, cool. Well, why don't you meet with our doctors to get yourself mentally ready to play. He doesn't want to meet with them. Okay, so on a regular basis at the team's Camden, New Jersey practice facility, Simmons has engaged with his teammates and members of the coaching staff in one-on-one scenarios, but has not advanced to rejoin the full team's activities, and it's unclear if he will or not. He doesn't want to play for the Sixers. He doesn't want to play with them. So he said, I'm not going to play because I want to get traded. And the Sixers are like, well, we're not ready to trade you yet. And so if you're not going to play, we're going to find you. Oh, well, I'm not mentally ready to play. Okay. Oh, you're not mentally ready to play? See our doctors. No, I don't want to do that. Screw this, man. This is some bullshit. You don't want to play. They're not ready to trade you. Then you say you're not mentally ready to play, and then you don't want to meet with the doctors? If you don't want to play, cool. But they can. They should continue to find him if he doesn't want to see the doctors. Well, no, I, don't, I can't. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, so they don't have to pay you. So I think that this is just a mess here. Uh, And Simmons clearly doesn't want to play with the 76ers, and the Sixers would like to trade him. They haven't found a partner yet. But the idea that Simmons says that he has mental health issues but doesn't want to meet with the doctors, dude, that's a slippery slope, right? My hope is is that what Simmons is saying is true because if he's not being truthful and saying and just using um, mental hurdles or mental challenges 
in order not to get fined is some bullshit. And I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying that that's not right. For for people every day, they're going through issues mentally um, that need to see people. Um, that's Those stories are true. You know, you see this, you might know someone that's going through that, that needs to take time out, time away. They're going through some stressful times and they need to, hey, that's real. I understand that. But if Simmons is using, I'm not mentally ready to play, and then the Sixers are willing to help him and he refuses medical, uh, you know, treatment uh, and doesn't want to meet with those people, then he doesn't, shouldn't be paid, period. Uh, because if you don't want to play, that's a problem. But if you feel like I can't play right now, okay, so we don't. You know, if you don't refuse treatment, then I would ref, ref, you know refuse to pay him. But that's just me though, <laughs> like because I just whole, think this whole thing with him wanting to leave is just nonsense. Billy Donovan talking about the Bulls defense and more as they have only lost one game this season, getting ready to take on the Philadelphia 76ers on November 3rd. And then it was really our defense was the problem. And then what happened was we tried to correct our defense with our offense, and then we just started getting into ISO, holding the ball. There was really very, very little movement. No one was in continuity. And then I thought we settled down and started to play a little bit closer to how we we need to play. Um, I, I think the talk on the bench to your question was great. And they did. And I thought um, the second unit did a great job um, coming at the end of the first quarter and then to start the fourth. And then I thought uh, Vooch and Tony Bradley in particular, really aggressive in pick and roll coverage on on, uh, Tatum and Brown. And we did a good job of rotating and scrambling from the back side to uh, to 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 give some help on rolls and stuff at the basket. But I mean, they kept battling and fighting. And I give Zach a lot of credit. It wasn't a great offensive performance for him the first maybe two and a half, three quarters, but he stayed in the game mentally and, you know, was able to make some big plays for us. And then I thought DeMar played really, really well. And then, like I said, the bench played well. Speaking of DeMar, it seems he has a great understanding of when to take over a game, when to get other guys involved, um, when he feels like a team is kind of, you know, when it's time to step on their throat. And you get that sense that this guy – Obviously, he's experienced and stuff, but I mean, he's just—he's just a professional when it comes to things like that. Yeah, I would say, Joe, the best way to—I would use—he's he, incredibly poised. You know what I mean? He does not get out of sorts at all, and I think he's great. You know, uh, for our team, I think he's great. You know, for Zach, um, you know, I could tell Zach was pressing a little bit when shots weren't falling. I think he had some make. make. I thought a couple times he was too aggressive and has some opportunities to pass it to some guys. But I think having like a guy like DeMar out there who's just who plays with a pace and a tempo and a poise that, you know, you just kind of, you never take him out of what he's doing. And, um, you know, I think he's, you know, a guy that's experienced a lot individually, you know, with what the way his career has been and, and has also experienced a lot of winning. So he's been in a lot of different situations. So we talked about how Ohio's earned your trust. Um, this is a guy that, at least from our perspective, we didn't really protect him. Change rotation, it just seems like every time he throws out there, he gives you a little bit of something. You know, he's been that way. I, I really felt like Tony, um, <coughs> excuse me, had, you know, a really, really good training camp and he's been good. I just felt like coming out of that last Utah game, we got really, really good minutes with Patrick going out with Derek out there in Iowa. And I just wanted to give those guys another chance. And I've said this often, you know, you're not going to be able to play everybody on your roster. And it's not that Troy doesn't deserve to play. I just thought that group going coming out of the Utah game was pretty good. And let's give him a chance to see what we can do. I think I talked a little bit about, Maybe a couple of games prior to that is our second unit had struggled somewhat scoring. But, you know, I think with Derek out there, Iowa out there, and then having like DeMar and Lonzo comes back, even Alex, it's a high-motor team. 
they generate stuff, they generate transition points, they generate turnovers, they kind of fly around, they're, they're disruptive. So I just decided to go with those guys and played again, again tonight very, very well. That's Billy Donovan. Here is DeMar DeRozan. We didn't get rattled. We, we buckled down. The second group came in, um, brought the energy, and, and we carried it over from there. Um, so for me, just seeing the fight and um, which I knew from – you know, coming here that every everybody on the team had, had that chip on their shoulder. It wasn't going to lay down for no reason. Um, and shoulder tonight. I'm that bear. You know, just being able to be calm on, on the road, being in those situations. I've been in a multiple games, a lot of games. Being down big on the road and seeing the, the seeing things happen, that's possible, you know, and that's pulling out victories. Um, you know, all it takes is, you know, parts of the game to really buckle down and stick together, you know. So for me, just keeping that calm, not getting rattled and sharing whatever experience I can to kind of keep us together as well. Bulls are 6-1 and one and playing well, very well. One other note about the Bulls, and that's the latest from Scottie Pippen. So Scottie Pippen has a new memoir out called Unguarded. And Scottie says I was nothing more than a prop, talking about Michael Jordan in The Last Dance. If you watch The Last Dance documentary, you know that Scottie Pippen made some controversial comments. And and so this goes... Scottie Pippen. I mean, hold on, Stephen A. Before, I, before you start, let me start talking first, because Stephen A. wants to chime in on this conversation. So hold on a second, Steve. So... Scotty Pippen has always been someone over the years that has spoke his mind. And I have no problem with that. You speak your mind. Um, I always thought that Scotty Pippen was a top 10 player that I've ever seen play in the league. And it's not me about me being a Bulls fan as much as it is just understanding that here's a player here similar to Jimmy Butler in some ways that was a defensive stalwart, was a defensive player first, really grew into his offense. And so I've never had a problem with Scottie Pippen as far as on the floor. I mean, Batman and Robin, right? You saw Michael Jordan, how great he was, and Scottie Pippen was his number two. But for whatever reason, Scottie Pippen's had a hard time understanding or appreciating or accepting the fact that he was the second best player in those Bulls championship teams. That's who he was. That's who he was. I, there's no there's no friend of mine, there's nobody on social media has ever said, you know what, Scottie was a much better player than Michael, because, you know, that's a lie. And so I don't know why Scottie Pippen believes that he is Magic Johnson or he is Larry Bird or he is Steph Curry or he is Bill Russell. Because Scottie's a, a top 50, top 75 player, top 100, whatever it is, he's one of the best we've ever seen. It's because he was working alongside Michael Jordan. George never won a championship without Pippen and vice versa. We've heard every type of angle on this for years. But here's Pippen on his memoir talking about how I was nothing more than a prop. Talking about the Michael Jordan in the last dance. Dude, yes, there was a camera crew because Michael Jordan wanted to document what he thought was going to be the final year of the Bulls championship. Or the last couple years of the Bulls championship. So what? So what? I mean, you still had to play the game, no matter if there was an extra camera crew on the road with the team or not. You still had to play the games. But, I, you know, from Scotty's standpoint, if I was him, I'd just be happy. Just be 
elated. That was part of something special. And he wants to take a piss on it every turn, at every turn. The Dan Patrick interview, other places that he's been, he just wants to take a piss on the Bulls' legacy, and I don't get that. No one's ever said, I don't appreciate Scottie Pippen or Pippen's underrated. Nobody in my circle, I watched every game of Pippen. I remember when Pippen was coming off the bench when Brad Sellers was over him. Brad Sellers would start, Pippen would come off the bench. He was Scott Pippen. Wasn't even Scott, he was just Scott Pippen coming from Central Arkansas. And so he grew into being able to be a really solid number two player and a frontline guy for the Bulls. And I don't know from the Coach 1.8, from Scotty having a gun in the car, all this other stuff. Like, he's just been a, not necessarily a bad guy, but just someone that feels like he's not good enough or someone that felt like, oh, people forgot about me. You can't talk about Michael Jordan without talking about Scottie Pippen as well. And somehow, some way, he feels slighted. Now, Stephen A., you want to talk about this? Okay, I gave my remarks. Now you give your remarks on first take. Scottie Pippen says I was nothing more than a prop. And Stephen A. says, Scottie Pippen should be ashamed of himself. Now, I'm not going to crucify Scottie because obviously he's in a different place mentally. And there must be a lot going on. And my heart goes out to him because this is clearly an underappreciated or at least a person who feels he is underappreciated. Just in case you feel underappreciated, Scottie Pippen, let me remind you that the world recognizes you as one of the top 50 players in NBA history, a two-time Olympic gold medalist, a six-time champion, um, six, I mean, the entire decade of the 90s, the man was first-team all-defensive NBA, for crying out loud. The brother, I mean, him guarding Magic Johnson is what delivered the, the NBA championship for the first time to the Chicago Bulls. We all know the greatness of Scottie Pippen. Michael Jordan also knows that greatness, which is why Michael Jordan's on the record saying he's the greatest teammate that he ever had. So here we are nearly 30 years later, and this is what you do. It seems like Scottie Pippen is blaming Michael Jordan for what has ailed him. So let's go back in history because we need to correct the record. And if I sound like I am coming to the fence of Michael Jordan, you damn right I am. You damn right. Because he deserves to be defended in this regard. Scottie Pippen comes into the NBA Mm -hmm. in 1987. Scottie Pippen keeps bringing up how Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan because of us. Well, he was a champion because of y'all. And if he didn't win championships, clearly that would have been bad for his legacy. No doubt. But does, Wendy, do I need to remind anybody, and please let me see Wendy when I'm talking to her, do I need to remind anybody of who the hell Michael Jordan was before Scottie Pippen ever arrived? We're talking Michael Jordan. We're talking about the NBA who was promoting Magic and Bird and said, well, wait a minute, pause. Even while the bad boy Detroit Pistons was interrupting the proceedings by winning back-to-back titles and going to three straight NBA finals, they said, pause. This dude right here is going to take our league to another stratosphere. This is when Michael Jordan was getting bounced out in the first round. That's how great he was to the human eye. So to act like, oh my goodness, he we helped him win and that's what made Michael Jordan. No, it actually made y'all. Stephen A. Smith on first take. I, I'll never understand it. Now, I understand that Scotty had wine to sell, books to sell. I get that. But I just don't know why he's got to drag the bulls through the mud. I don't. I just don't understand it. 
he is appreciated. Uh, look, I can't speak for you listening, but I know for me, I know how great he was. So I just don't understand the issue there. Um, you know, not only the Bulls are six and one going into Wednesday's game against Philadelphia, but also the Miami Heat are six and one as well. They went on the road against Dallas, one twenty five to one ten. Let me just point out to you that Jimmy Butler is averaging 25 points a game. Tyler Hero, 24 points a game. Bam Adebayo, 20 points a game. Kyle Lowry playing well. Also, he had 22 points in the game against Dallas. Look out now. Now, Miami's looking good. And what really resonates with me is is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, you remember his time with the Bulls, especially toward the end, how it did not end well. He wanted out of Chicago. And again, Garn Pax did not want to pay Jimmy Butler the max. There was always an issue there. So he goes to the Timberwolves. And <laughs> I don't know what the real story is, but I remember the story about Tom Thibodeau coaching the Minnesota Timberwolves. Jimmy Butler was AWOL. All of a sudden he comes to practice and he says, I want to play with the reserves with and, and wants to play against Wiggins and Towns and the starters. And Jimmy and the reserves beat the hell out of Towns and Wiggins. And I don't know how the story goes. I don't <laughs> I hear the story like he still had his Rolex watch on shooting the basketball and passing the ball. I heard that he came in street clothes. I heard that he had a hat on while he it's like three or four different stories of how Jimmy Butler just busted through practice out of nowhere when he was not with the team. A wall came through. It was like, yeah, I'll practice. I'll practice with the reserves and I'll bust Anthony Towns and um, Wiggins ass. And all the rest of the starters. And, and Jimmy's team won. <laughs> but the story just is like, I don't know if he had a watch on, if he had a hat on, if he did it in street clothes and Tim's. <laughs> but the story just keeps changing on how Jimmy Butler is able to get his way out of Minnesota. And then, of course, another stop. And now I'm with the Miami Heat. And there was issues, when I understand, from Meadowlark Media. They say that, that they covered the Miami Heat. They say that there was an issue between Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler. Jimmy just wants to win, no matter what, clearly, right? And so... So the the whole thing is if Tyler Hero and uh, and Jimmy can get together and if they can work together, the Miami Heat can make some noise in the East. There's no doubt about that. Have you heard about Zion Williamson lately? Have you heard about Zion Williamson? Have you heard from him? I remember the hype around Zion when he was at Duke, right? And, and, you know, he's a big guy. And the thing that's so great about sports is to see something you've never seen before. And so um, we have not heard from him because he has been injured. And I don't know what that means for the New Orleans uh, Pelicans for the future, but he's not been around. Brian Winhurst from ESPN. Brian was uh, on Series X NBA radio talking about Zion Williamson. Uh, and maybe he will never be the player he was at Duke. They had a coach with him throughout the summer. I think they knew he was hurt. But they elected, whether it was to make him or his family happy or whatever, they elected to lie and not tell people that he was injured and had surgery. And that has undercut the belief in, 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 in the belief in them. And then they made, a, uh, they double, made them a double mistake saying he would be back on opening day, and now he's not going to be back until maybe December. And... When you, hand, when, you, when you elect to handle that way, when you elect to not be forthcoming, when you elect to, uh, elect to obfuscate, you are inviting all kinds of problems. You are inviting problems with your fans. You're inviting problems with uh, the people that you're in business with, namely the, the sports books. Uh, 
you're inviting problems with the media, and you're in some ways inviting problems with the player. They have not been uh, transparent on this at all, and I'm not saying we need his x-rays, okay? But they come out to their fans on opening day and, or on opening of training camp and say, yeah, by the way, your franchise player is, uh, is really badly injured. Um, very bad. Very, very poorly handled. Um, and they are, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost on that. As for long-term, Zion is, you know, he's not the same player he was at Duke. I think that's just a fair way to put it. Um, he's still great at, you know, at, at this type of player. He averaged 27 points and shot 60% last year. It's awesome. But he will never be the kind of transformational player we all thought he could be until he gets closer to that player he was at Duke. And that's just the reality, no matter what anybody says. Strong comments there from Brian Windhorst talking about Zion Williamson. Boy, they can't they can't even tell the truth. If Pelicans organization didn't even tell the fans or anyone the truth, like I thought Zion would be ready to play too, and it looks like he will not be. And he's had a setback in his development and his rehab. That's it's not good. He said that they lied. He used the word lied. That David. Griffin and the Pelicans lied about what's actually going on with Zion. It's not good. You know, I did radio shows with with uh, David Griffin, the general manager of the Pelicans. Not good. Chris Paul. Congratulations to Chris Paul. Let's give that man his flowers. Number three all-time in assists. If he averages 10 per contest and never misses a game, he will pass John Stockton for number one by the end of the 2027-28 season. (laughs) That's never happening. (laughs) Chris Paul is not Tom Brady, but I love Hoops Hype saying that if Chris Paul averages 10 assists per contest and never misses a game, he will pass John Stockton for number one by the end of the 2027-28 season. Well, one thing you know about Chris Paul, there's two things we know about him. State Farm commercials and injuries. <laughs> and I'm not taking a shot at him as far as his greatness. He's a Hall of Famer for sure, but uh, uh, he's not going to uh, surpass John Stockton. But it's a nice thought. Speaking of point guards, LeBron James talking about Russell Westbrook. Does he say something about Derrick Rose here after the Lakers beat the Rockets 119-117? to 117? Just with Russell Westbrook specifically, LeBron, what are you seeing with him? Get more and more comfortable. You know, it's always challenging going to a new system, to a new team, to a new group of guys. Uh, you always try to see yourself fitting in. Uh, but when you're a special player, you got to fit out, you know. And uh, Russ is a special player, and he's being himself over the last few weeks. Uh, and we need that. We, we need the, uh, the attacking down the hill, most explosive point guard, uh, you know, NBA history with him and D-Rose. And we need that. So uh, he's been bringing that, and we love to see it. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Wow. That's flowers for Derrick Rose. You got to like that, right? Explosive point guards, Russell Westbrook and Derrick Rose. Very nice for for LeBron to say that. It's one thing about Derrick Rose, and again, he's a guy that comes off the bench now, does not necessarily have the kind of minutes he had with Chicago. But the point is, though, is that Derrick Rose, when healthy, effective. No question. I remember Tom Thibodeau says the only time that Derrick is not effective is when he doesn't play. And that'll do it for... Another edition of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings is good to this show. Be good to them. Have you ever downloaded the DraftKings app? Check it out. DraftKings app. DraftKings.com. And don't forget to use the promo code WMVP. Can't wait to get back in the studio on Friday with David Kaplan, 7 to 10 a.m. Central on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. I had to just... 
give my thoughts about the Bulls. He could not wait until Friday on ESPN 1000. I had to tell you now on the podcast. So uh, let me get on this flight. Uh, I'm going to leave sunny California. It's been 80 degrees every day here in San Diego. All right, on my way back. <laughs> so let's get back uh, into the swing of things and uh, can't wait to talk more basketball with you on the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. And um, boy, I can't I now wait to see how this Bulls team is going to fare. Two games against Philly and then the Nets and then, of course, so much other action around the NBA. Can't wait to talk to you about it. Thanks for listening as always. Talk to you next time on the Hood Basketball Podcast. <laughs>